Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we welcome you to episode 116 and part two of A Guide to Discovering Your Purpose. Yeah. I took the last week we talked about the uh, GPS assessment, uh, you, gift story purpose. Yeah. Gift or purpose, or gift story. purpose story. Excuse yeah. me. And uh, so I took that test uh, in the interim. Yeah. And we're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about your results. We're going to talk about also some next ways of thinking to continue forward with this uh, discovery process so that you can actually land on some deeper convictions about who God made you to be and about how you could live that out in the most meaningful way. I think it's going to be really good. Uh, before that, it is Joker Story Time and it is your week this week. Yeah, so I thought I would talk about, uh, this is not really a story, it's a category of my life experience. When I was in high school, our high school had uh, victory dances every Friday night during football season. Every Friday? Every Friday night during vict- during football season. We, it, apparently, we didn't care about victories in any other sports. Texas is uh, <laughs> Friday night lights, it's football. Uh-huh. And so during football season... What other teams did you guys have? Basketball, baseball, girls sports, basketball, soccer... Uh, we didn't celebrate like that. We didn't have pep rallies. Sure. Pep rallies were only for football. Uh, bonfires were only for football. football um, I unless mean, unless one of those sports was going to a state championship, then all of a right. sudden you would stop the presses. But you stopped the presses football even if your team sucked. And our team <laughs> was not very good during our football team. It's not very wasn't especially good uh, for most of my high school career. Sure. But we had these victory dances, so we'd call them VDs. You're gonna go to you can go you can go to VD. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty hip. Yeah. Anyway, they were normally defeat dances, but we didn't care. <laughs> the and, DD. Yeah, and uh, they would be at the school, and we didn't do DJs until my senior year. The first three years, freshman, sophomore, junior year, mm-hmm. we had live bands. Awesome. And we had some we had some classics like uh, Cadillac Jack and the Hubcaps. I think you've talked about that uh-huh. before, yeah. And Sparky's Magic Echo uh, <laughs> were two of the bands I remember. Anyway, um, these dances, I would not dance because I was too embarrassed. Didn't sure. know how to dance. Never danced, you know. Um, I did eventually slow dance, and I did end up having to fast dance at the senior prom. But that's a different story. Wow. But really, the thing was just these victory dances, how much fun they were because all the students had come back. And you would, uh, and I would camp out. This is, you know, you and I have this ongoing debate about whether I could, in fact, play an instrument. It is, right. it is my belief that I have no aptitude for it, and I can't play any instrument other than maybe the spoons. <laughs> the spoons take a lot of rhythm, man. I think I could do the spoons because I don't have to move nine things at once. I can. It's focused. What about the triangle? Okay. <laughs> and the cowbell the cowbell let's, let's, yeah. let's throw a dog bone i mean a real <laughs> instrument so like the spoons well like, no i mean like a guitar piano okay. and drums those are the three i'm most interested in i would love to be able to play drums mm-hmm. i'd love to play guitar you say it can be done it can you can you can do this it has been done before uh, not by me i've tried many times anyway i would camp out by the drum cage there were no cages open drum kits 
I don't, I don't know when drum cages became a thing, but um, I, I would sit over. I would just pull up a chair and sit where I could just watch the drummer all night long. I loved it. I love live music to this day. I just really enjoy live music. Did that ever creep the kid out who was in there? The it wouldn't be a kid. These were oh, these, these were these were professional bands. I assume these were student bands. No. Oh, okay. No, they paid. They let out money for these. Wow, this is a big deal. It was a huge disappointment my senior year when they went to DJs. Uh, disco was kind of a thing, and I, yeah. you know. Bleh. What was uh, one of those? The second band name you listed. What was that? Sparky's Magic Echo. That's phenomenal. You like I, that name? I do. I love it. I'm gonna let go. I have had a band name in my head for a long time, and I've thought uh, this is too good for me to just keep tell it to people. yourself. No, oh, to, to help people. Somebody will use it. Right. In case I ever do use it. But you, you're not going to make a band. I'm never going to use it. So today, I mean, I'd like to make this special right here on this episode. Drum roll, please. If I could play the drums. <laughs> the band <laughs> is, would be called Wheat! Exclamation point. And all the branding would be W-H-E-A-T! Exclamation point. You think this is some kind of earth-shattering idea? I think it's amazing. And then the debut album, your first album you release is called Whole Wheat. And it doesn't have to be a theme. Like, you don't have to sing about bread, you know. But that's the name of the band, Wheat. And Whole Wheat is the name of the first album. First album, album yeah. You're kind of ripping off Huey Lewis in the News, and the first album is Sports. Hmm. And then another album is Classifieds. I don't know what. No, what I mean is, like, so a band, like... Um, what, would the, what would the next, if you had Whole Wheat, what well, would be the, the next, next album? The next whatever you want to make. But, like, a, a normal band, sometimes a band's first album will just be called the name of the band. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that. I have. So it'd be just that. It'd be a play on that. Your first album, your debut album as an artist, Whole Wheat. I, I'm not I'm not feeling this, man. man. I can't believe you cherished this idea and kept it I sacrosanct. Think, I think it's a fantastic band name. I've, I would I've love to have our listeners uh, weigh in on this. So, uh, man, drop us a, a DM on Instagram. Uh, email us at info at jimandjohn.com. No H and a John. Here's the official Tell question. Tell us your official response to the band name Wheat the official exclamation question, point. The official question I want you to answer is your but your buddy's listening to a song. You say, what are you listening to? He goes, this band called Wheat. Do you or do you not look up that band and, and listen to their music? That's the question. Well, let me I ask you know. this. When, with a name like Wheat, what genre of music would they be well, playing? Literally any. I thought about it. You could be a jazz band. You could be a rapper. You could be a rock band. I think you could do anything. Not country. Almost anything. I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. <laughs> I think it's great. All right, let's get started in the episode. So clearly, as we talk about your gifts of passions and story, uh-huh. naming bands is not one of your gifts. That's We'll talk about that next week, I guess, <laughs> when we get the results in. But I think it it's a, a sub-gift. How about that? Okay. So, John, uh, we talked about uh, this interesting idea of a GPS. What a GPS does yeah. is triangulate your position, tell you exactly where you are, in relation to where you want to be. And the idea is that um, for human beings, design points to destiny. Mm. If we can understand who God designed us to be, we could figure out what God designed us to do. Totally. And so many of us live our lives not knowing, what am I here for? What's it all about? Why does my life matter? And a verse I just want to repeat again, I think we talked about it last week, is Ephesians 2.10. Um, you are God's workmanship, mm-hmm. poema. You are his poem. You are his work of art. And uh, that he created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. And I love this verse. It's such a powerful 
um, beautiful truth about us. How many people are in the world right now? Seven billion? Yeah, almost eight, I think. So let's say eight billion. Eight billion people, but you are unique. You are a handcrafted poem of God. What I love about this idea of poetry is he also takes the the tension, the failure, the wounds. He weaves it all together into this beautiful poetic expression of God himself mm-hmm. through you. So uh, you are handcrafted by Almighty God. He's perpetually involved in that crafting process. He is continuing to write your story. And so uh, the basic uh, super elements of your poetry, of your story, are these three items, gift, passion, story. If I could figure out these three, they could triangulate my position. They could show me where I currently am and perhaps where I, how I can get to where I want to go. Totally. So, uh, man, we just want to encourage you that you are a handcrafted work of God. And what we're trying to do together is figure out how do I discern this poetic work of God in my life and, and can I participate then intentionally um, and enthusiastically? And really that becomes an act of stewardship. Your life is a stewardship. Well, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to give my life to the poor? Am I supposed to burn in the flames as a martyr? Am I supposed to be uh, rich? Am I supposed to be whatever, famous? No, you're supposed to be the best expression of this poem of God in you and do that beautifully and powerfully and steward that uh, on purpose. So yeah, and even I was reading today the the psalmist says that uh, God's thoughts towards you specifically mm-hmm. outnumber the sand of the sea and the the stars in the sky. Incredible. And that He ordains every day of your life before you're born. Yeah. So the if, Psalm one thirty nine. I love yeah, that. If you take nothing away from this other than God is very intentional towards you and very mindful towards you. It's mm-hmm. not. There's not a whole lot of um, apathy. In that, in that relationship. Right. If that's all you take away from this, then that, that's, me, that's a big huge. win. That's a big win. Yeah. And he's constructive, not destructive. He's mm-hmm. not looking to destroy you. He's looking to redeem, transform, and empower you, and to equip you, and to resource you, and for you to uh, use all of that resourcing, love, equipping, forgiveness for his sake, for his glory. Yeah. It's a really awesome, awesome thing. So now let's get into gifts, passion, story. So the idea is um, spiritual gifts is the gifts part that the Bible teaches that everyone who comes to faith in Christ, God gives them by the Holy Spirit gifts. Yeah. Those gifts are discussed. We mentioned this last week in Ephesians 4, Romans 4, and 1 Corinthians 12. Is that right? I think that's right. Um, Could be Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. (laughs) Okay. But um, the point is um, that gifts part is about the gifts God has placed in your life. Then the passion part is about the stream of God's work out of five that you are most uh, a part of designed for. Mm -hmm. And then story is how your, your life has evidenced those realities over time. So give us gifts, John, Uh, let us in on uh, what were your top, you had four or five. I had four, four, top four spiritual gifts according to the assessment, the GPS assessment. So uh, in almost every um, personality or or uh, self-assessment tool that I've taken like this, I get 
near ties in multiple categories. This happens all the time. Mm-hmm. I took a left brain, right brain quiz for a college course once. I got an even split right down the middle. I don't know what the heck that means. That means you are no brained. No brain. <laughs> I'm smooth brained. Maybe uh, this happened with the MBTI. I was one point off from two different categories. And if I take the test on any given day, I get one of the two. Interesting. Uh, so this happened here as well, where of the four gifts, what does that say to you? Those things, the, the, that reality about you and assessments, what conclusions do you draw from that? My personal hunch is that I am uh, bad at taking them. I either don't understand the question or I don't understand myself very well. So I give, or you're non-committal. Non-committal. I give mushy answers that can lead to different things mm-hmm. where if I was more direct or if I was more aware of myself, I might get more uh, of a specific category. It's also possible that I would add that you are in fact more broadly gifted, more broadly strong than maybe some. Uh, some of us. So some of us are pointed, man. We have very focused uh, gifts and strengths. Sure. Others have a wider variety of really strong gifts. And you might say, what, what is that saying? It is um, jack of all trades. Yep. Master of none. And so you have a lot of trades. You're, you're a jack of. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Well, I'll read them to you now. Okay. So in de- descending order, I got scores. 19, 19, 18, and 16. Okay. And that went uh, giving, discernment, knowledge, and wisdom. Giving, discernment, knowledge, and wisdom. Okay, let's walk through them. Giving. What was your, that was your highest score? Uh, tied for highest, yeah, okay. with uh, discernment. And w- tell me how you understand the gift of giving. So the questions, uh, they don't tell you which one counts to each category, but it's, looking back, it's easier to tell. A lot of them were, um, they were all statements they were I statements, all of them. And you uh, uh, chose how often that was true of you from okay. almost Not never at all. Yeah. to almost all the time. Yeah. And so uh, questions like when I can contribute to a cause, uh, it makes me happy. I, I, I do so happily, monetarily yeah. contribute. Yes. Uh, and so things like that, I tended to say always agree. Yeah. And you are a very generous person. You've especially when it comes to helping something get accomplished or helping somebody with less have what they need. Mm-hmm. I've noticed this in you um, just as your habits. And we could talk about those, but those are personal, and I don't want to uh, blow your privacy there. Um, so, okay, so giving, and then discernment. And discernment. And that one is a little trickier for me. I think it was the questions, a lot of them were on moral ambiguity or um, uh, spiritual uh, ambiguity. What do you mean by that? So it, it was questions like in a question or in a scenario of um, complicated or morally gray things, I can often tell what is wrong. The and best what is course. Right. Yeah. I can tell uh, biblically what what is righteous in the scenario okay. and what is unrighteous. And when you first scenario. saw the answer discernment, you thought bull because I've been begging God to speak to me. I've been begging <laughs> God to give me very clear direction and I can't seem to hear it. Yeah, I thought because normally when you hear that, you you I think in our circles, we think of. The ability to, to discern kind of what God is telling or something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I didn't answer those. And those questions did, did come up. Yeah. I Cause those are possible gifts and I didn't. And I appropriately answered that. <laughs> I'm, that, that was almost never. So, uh, but I do feel in my own personal experience, I feel worse about this with people, which is interesting. I think I generally, I like a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then, so sometimes one will turn out to be a little skeezy or something like that. And, and go, you ah, didn't see it. Coming. I didn't see it. Coming. I like that guy. Yeah. And so I'm not great at that. Maybe I just, I, I don't, 
you I, rarely I, meet someone you don't like. Exactly, and I, I maybe am intentionally naive on people's lives to yeah. to kind of maintain give that, that benefit of the doubt. And so, the, but this discernment is: I can discern right from wrong. I, I know which one I ought right. to choose, whether I have the capacity to courageously choose it or not. But I know what I ought to choose. Rarely do I not know the moral best answer. Right. It is. It is. I I can't think of an example in my head in my in my memory back to young when mm-hmm. I was in a scenario where I go I do I don't know if if one of these is uh, good or bad good or bad yeah except for ones where I would say there is no moral charge here yeah. and th- you know what ice cream should I get right now that kind of thing. <laughs> okay so giving discernment what's next uh, knowledge now what does that mean. Uh, so I'll read their description. They gave one to this. Um, the ability to discern and analyze information that is vital to individual believers or the entire church family. The ability to grasp and interpret God's revelation with sound judgment. So I think this is okay. understanding of Scripture, ap- applicability of Scripture. It's, apl- it's about application because in, in the context of a what you might call a charismatic gift, a word of knowledge, uh, a group is, um, if you saw the movie... Um, I think it's called The Apostle or Paul. It's a, rec- it's a fairly recent movie about the Apostle Paul. And they show in that movie the believers in Rome, while Christians are being burned at the stake and lit on fire for light, for parties, you know, for Nero, Nero's, Nero's yeah, persecution. The church was huddled saying, what should we do? Some believed God would have us stay here and bear witness in this dark place. Others said we should flee for our safety. Mm. And so in that crowd, when, when, when like people are saying, what should we do? What should we do? The person with the gift of knowledge would be able to say, this is what God would have us do. And that's not discernment. That's not spiritual discernment. No, this is knowledge in the sense that you are given revelation from God in the moment. This is the answer. Hmm. And you would be able to see that answer as you look through the lens of the scriptures that then come to your heart and that, um, gotcha. that help uh, that help to describe that answer. So I think that would be knowledge, and, and I would have to say I, I agree with that. Okay, then what's after knowledge? So, and this is one where I was, again, was wisdom. a little, is wisdom, and I was a little uh, uh, slippery on this one because it sounds similar to knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, even in their description. The description is the God-given ability to hear the Holy Spirit and receive insights into what to do or to say to assist specific needs of God's family. Yes. Now, again, this would be, in charismatic circles, a word of wisdom. Mm. So, so in, I have a word for you. That, that you wouldn't. Sentence. Yeah, that's. I don't like people using that. Right. But if someone's pouring out their heart to you and they've got a decision to make, and there may be three paths ahead of them. Maybe it's vocational choices. Maybe it's places to move. Um, maybe it's alternatives to solve a problem. You might have the Holy Spirit prompt you to say, "That's the one." I see. Or to give some wisdom about for the, that helps them navigate that. Maybe not to tell them exactly what to do but to provide the wisdom that helps them to discern themselves what they ought to do. So is this more um, intimate than knowledge? Is this more one-to-one, person-to-person yes. kind of thing? Yes, whereas Relational? the word of knowledge might be for a whole group. Okay. Um, I would think wisdom is much more real-time uh, in the game for a person. These are incredible. Now, um, I want you to tell the truth here, shame the devil. What was your first response to seeing this outcome? I uh, I didn't immediately see the um i saw the value it's not that i didn't immediately see the directional purpose the usefulness exactly so if this is a tool a navigational tool how do i find out where to go and how to get there (laughs) and it might have been i didn't go into this wondering where to go in particular i feel Mm -hmm. right now in my in this very um immediate 
uh, time of my life, I have a very specific goal I'm trying to get to, and most of my free time is going to it. So I, I, I feel less listless right now than I have in the past. So that might have been part of it. But immediately upon reading those, I thought, okay, cool. So now what? You know, that kind of thing. So this is really interesting to me because um, one of the great beliefs I have about the church, which the church is any group of believers who happen to be together, we're the body. Yeah. That God gives the body everything it needs to meet its own needs. So um, there are, as we as we are groups of believers, uh, that there the people in that group need knowledge, they need wisdom, they need discernment, and then they'll need the other and ones that I don't have. That would be met exactly. by other people. So God spreads these gifts out, and the idea is, and I really believe this as a pastor. Like when we have a need in our body. The answer is here already because God has given gifts so that no need goes unmet. Totally. And so what we want to do is recognize the gifts people have and then make room for them to use them so that we can all benefit from those gifts. Yeah. Now, when I was fishing there about your first reaction, when we talked about it, I felt your first reaction was, this is weak sauce because (laughs) uh, all this does is amplify your already disturbing view of your weaknesses. Well, some things, because we, we spoke specifically about, uh, I remember going down the list, we talked about giving. And um, and I thought, I've always viewed that the um, willingness to give monetarily is less virtuous than the willingness to give physically with your time or efforts. Yeah. So, uh, so if a guy needs a meal, rather than bring him into your house and cook him one, you'd rather give him ten bucks and 10 say, bucks, yeah, "Yeah, go to Chipotle." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so I've always and and both would satisfy the, um, you know, the generosity, the genera- yeah. and the you know the don't just say go and be well. Yeah. Actually, see to this person. Both satisfy that. Yeah. But I've always I've always seen more virtue and selflessness and Christ likeness in the the uh, former, mm-hmm. or the latter. I mean. So that was the only thing when I saw that I was like, well, and and I and we the this points the to my laziness. Exactly. This points to my selfishness. Exactly. I give so I don't have to serve. That's exactly right. So uh, so it was interesting to see a what I would have called a character flaw of a well, I'm, I don't want to do that, and I feel guilty because I feel called <laughs> to do that, so I'm going to give up money. But I watched you. You don't give money because of that. I can see where you do that gymnastics in your mind. Uh, but I think this this is a fascinating reality about us as human beings. Mm-hmm. We stare at our weaknesses and we blow off and minimize our strengths. And this is what you did. As we talked about these outcomes, you continued to beat the drum of that weakness that maybe I'm selfish. I shouldn't just give money. I should actually give my time and my sweat equity and all that. Yeah. You also pointed to other weaknesses that you felt were blaring that that um, while these gifts were hard for you to get your arms around how they are practically useful in real time and how they point you forward, you could quickly see your weaknesses and how they stopped you from being effective and how restrictive they were. Sure. And uh, so I think a big point here um, is that if we spend our time on our weaknesses, first of all, you have some strengths. I love, I love the, Gallup in, uh, the Gallup Group's definition of a strength. A strength is something that you do nearly perfectly every single time you do it. Hmm. I love that definition. Yeah, I, th- I think that's great. And the reason we don't recognize our gifts is because they are so natural to us. For we sure. assume everyone can do that because it does not require effort for us to do it. It's just a gift. 
Yeah. This would be true in those ones you mentioned. I believe you think of uh, a right time to give money that I don't even recognize in the moment. You're looking for it. You believe that it's part of why God gives you money. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this is in you. It's just natural to you, as is discernment, as because you care about the right thing to do, and you care about not doing the wrong thing. Um, you care about knowledge and wisdom, making good decisions. These are things that you naturally care about and that you naturally participate in, and you think about it for other people. You're not just obsessed with John. You are thinking about this when somebody tells you their story. When I tell you something I'm going through, you will lose sleep thinking about what the answer is for me. This is a great gift that you have. And so um, the thing I want to encourage is we got to stop wasting energy trying to make our weaknesses into strengths because they never will be. Yeah. And the energy it takes to even fight those takes away from the energy we could be using with our strengths and allowing other parts of the body, other friends, other community in our life to compensate for our weaknesses because those are their strengths. So we partner for performance. I don't have to be great at that. Um, I need to be adequate. We talked about, you know, you don't want to sabotage yourself with your weaknesses. They need to be strong enough not to sabotage you, but they don't have to be strengths. But I love how that fits into the model of the body. Because, again, you the you need to be good at what you're gifted to do, and then those other bases are covered by the other members of the body, mm-hmm. and it's the model of the church working exactly as it's supposed to work. And so we need interdependence. We need right. to not be independent, but we also need to not be codependent. We need to be interdependent where we really do make room for each other to help each other. Totally. I think it's it's pretty pretty amazing. So Jeremiah 1 is a place where I have a basic... Uh, pathway for biblical counsel. If I, if I okay. have somebody who comes to me with a problem and they're trying to work something out, you know, Jeremiah one says, I chose you, I anointed you so that you might be a prophet to the nations. So I believe God wants to, in this masterpiece mission, the poem he's writing your life is for that poem to be prophetic to the world. Mm-hmm. It actually speaks of his grace, his love, his power. Um, but he says, you're going to uproot, destroy, tear down, and overthrow, and you're going to plant and build. And the destructive efforts are four, and the constructive are two. And sometimes the way to break through is to break down. So I need to overthrow, and I need to destroy, and I need to uh, tear down um, these and uproot some things in my thinking, in my belief system. And then I need to plant and build the right thing so that I can move forward. Totally. Last week we talked about uh, fruit to root and then root to fruit. Yeah. So it's that process. But this list of five, okay, in that kind of context, is that there are five versions of me, of you, John. Oh. Okay. And um, see if you see, I want to see what you think about this because I have not told you this before right now. Okay, five versions of me and the me is you. Okay. There's the me others want me to be. Um, you, you, you say, well, this is who people want me to be. Mm -hmm. And part of that is those weaknesses you look at. People want me to be, uh, faster. People want me to be on time. People want me to be, uh, very productive, whatever those are. Am I anywhere close? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I would say, and some of those I would call actual character flaws. (laughs) I do. I've tried much harder to be on time. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, 
things like that, I would say, I would be frustrated if someone were to go, yeah, well, I'm just not an on-time kind of guy. Right. You know? That's not my gift. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's not my gift. Yeah, you don't get an excuse like that. Yeah. But there's this pressure to be who people, who you think people want totally. you to be. Especially in professional scenarios. Yeah. There's, a, yeah. there's the me I think I want to be. I really want to be this guy. Yeah. I want to be a musician. Okay. I'm not. You could be close. I No, I could play some chords. This is what you finally admitted. Dad, you could play some chords. Yeah. I don't want to play chords. I want to play music. I want to be a musician. Mm. Um, okay. So there's me I think I want to be. Then third, there's the me they pay me to be. Oh. Um, so that's the me I think that is rewarding to me. Uh, when I become this person, I get paid well. I get rewarded. I get affirmed. Sure. Um, then number four, there's the me that time makes of me. Hmm. That is, uh, I am a product of who raised me, where I lived, uh, the things I went through. It is an evolution of the self, and I don't really have any agency in it. It's just the me time made me to be. And the last one is the me that I actually was made by God to be. And the goal is to think through those, you know, am I being this version of me because it's what people want me to be? Am I being this version of me because it's actually rewarding? I get affirmed. Mm -hmm. uh, people like it. Am I being this version of me because um, somehow it just evolved in me and I didn't have any agency there? Am I being this me because this is who I really think I want to be? Or am I being this me because this is, in fact, who God made me to be? And it's the best version of me. So the goal is to keep that process of discovery going. So you can say, you know what? Design leads to my destiny. If I can see how God designed me, I can see the destiny he laid out for me. And so we're working this process. All wow. right. Uh, media share. John, you're up. What's the, yeah. you were said, you told me that you were very excited about this particular one. And I want to tell you last time you you shared a media thing. It was Lee Fields. Mm-hmm. And I did, in fact, uh, take a deep dive into listening to some Lee Fields. I did not land on the album you pitched. That's okay. Um, and I liked it a lot. I played it in front of another person. They're like, ooh, that's sweet. And it is true. Every time I've played it without saying a word with somebody in the room, they do the head bob. I, it, it starts happening. Nine out of ten times it happens every yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> There's another album that I wanted to talk about for Lee Fields, but I feel like it was cheating. So maybe I'll come back later. Yeah. Tied for first for that one. There's another another great one. Is Okay. But, but let's today, go to today's media share. Yeah, today. So I feel like I've been doing kind of a uh, uh, progressive like class. So for today's class, I talked to forever ago. I talked about uh, blues music. Then I talked about soul music. Now we're into jazz. Ooh. And jazz is, you know. My eyes light up. The yeah, fireworks start it's going. It's the best. Jazz is the best. Especially live jazz. Ooh. It's unreal. So uh, these other genres I've talked about are, I've talked about how restrictive they are mm -hmm. and how kind of smaller they are. You, you can't go far in these genres before you become another genre. Mm -hmm. uh, jazz is elastic. Jazz is stretchy. Its boundaries are, are uh, diffused. They're a little fuzzy. You, it's harder to tell when jazz starts and ends. It's broader. It's a tough genre. I like it's it a lot. It's a little chaotic. It's very important historically for music. Mm. It's very American. It is absolutely American. Jazz is American. Oh, yeah, man. One of the most American things we got. It's American made. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, it's a it's an international. It, it's American because we are a melting pot. So all these other cultures in, in mostly the, the beginning of the South 
uh, uh, kind of came together and and it became its own language. And now there's all kinds of there's there's Afro jazz, there's French jazz. Now there's other kinds. I see. But it started here. So uh, this guy I want to talk about today. That I chose this because I think it's a great intro to jazz uh, album. I think it's perfect for this. So so if you're new to jazz, this is where you. This can is start. where I would send you. And uh, it's not Coltrane. It's not Miles Davis. It is a very new guy who I would consider the greatest living jazz composer. He's Whoa, young. You, that's a pretty exaggerated living, statement. Living. There's not a bunch of living great jazz composers. Most okay. of them died, you know, 20 years ago. Okay. Uh, the, his competition would be a guy named Kamasi Washington, who, if my brother-in-law is listening, he probably just winced. It's not him. Sorry, guy. <laughs> it's a guy named Takuya Kuroda. He's a Takuya Jap- Kuroda. He's a Japanese man. That is T A K U Y A K U R A D A. Takuya Kuroda. It's pretty phonetic. Uh, he's a jazz trumpeter. He is the real deal. So his his uh, 2011 album Edge is what I'm talking about. His other stuff gets crazy. He's a jazz musician through and through. He stretches the boundaries. Edge is very traditional. If you think of jazz and you think of Coltrane, you know you think of that kind of uh, um, acoustic. A quartet, sextet kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, this is that. Edge is that. It's uh, the reason I wouldn't send you to Giant Steps by Coltrane. is because it's crazy. That guy's nuts. Takuya Kuroda's Edge is very, very pure, very clean. It starts off strong with Skyrocket. Ooh, that song is nuts. <laughs> if you, it's it's the same. I think we just became an NPR radio show. <laughs> Maybe. It's similar thing that to that Lee Fields album I was talking about. If you're in Skyrocket, this is like a nine minute song. Mm-hmm. If you get to the end of that, and nine you go, minutes. Yeah. If you get to that and you felt no emotion in your gut, one, I'll pray for you, and two, turn it dead. off. Turn yeah. it off. It's okay. My my feelings aren't hurt. I'm just sad. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Takuya Kuroda Edge, uh, it's phenomenal. His other stuff, I'm a huge fan of. He's one of my favorite musicians. And uh, his other stuff is some of my favorite albums, but they get more uh, progressive. He he gets into some some kind of hip hop jazz. Almost all of his songs have no lyrics, so it's not it's not rap. I love that. But but it gets you know he starts using more sampling. He his most recent album, uh, Fly Moon Die Soon, which has in my opinion one of the best cover arts of all time, uh, is crazy. It's a it's a weird album. It's hard. For, some of the songs I'm I'm like, what are you even doing right now? So don't you know. Don't go there. Don't go crazy. I still like it. And I and I listen to that album all the time. But I'm sending you to Edge. Edge by Takuya Kuroda, recorded in 2011. And he's the man. If you want to listen to jazz and you go, I don't know where to start, I would send you right there. All right. There you have it. Here's our commercial break. We'll be right back. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives, and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com, where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash John. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. 
All right. This is episode 116. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we gave a, a similar spiel every time, but we are legitimately, not the not the salesman voice, we are legitimately very grateful, even that you are listening to this with your ears. Amen, brother. And if you do nothing else, then we love that. But also, if you wanted to, to pay it forward, uh, just tell a friend about this. Yeah. Or give us a rating on uh, iTunes or wherever you're listening to Spotify. And, uh, and yeah, we love you guys. Yep. All right. Now let's go to your passions. And the thing about passion, passions, this part of the test, is based on the five, what some people consider the offices of ministry. And this is from Ephesians. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherd, teacher. Yeah. And what they can, what the belief is that these five things are not, in fact, offices in the church. They are streams of passion in the church. And so while you have a gift, say, of wisdom or knowledge or discernment, it operates from a passion that would either be apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, or teacher. Gotcha. So, um, would it help to give a brief description of those, or would you rather just let's see what yours are and give a description of those? Uh, give me a quick breakdown of, of the volume, if you don't okay, mind. Okay, so just the apostle, yeah, the apostle is the pioneer about advancing the movement. They're looking over the horizon. They are, let's go further, faster. Come on, follow me. Let's go this way. Sure. And so they're building something that's a movement. They want to see more. Uh, the prophet is... This is what God is saying right now. This is uh, this is the thing that's most important right now. So kind of uh, caring about, let's get it right. Yeah. Um, the evangelist is the salesman. Evangelists love to recruit. They love to con- persuade other people to think what they're thinking about. If they saw a great movie, they're going to tell everybody about that movie. It's who they are. They just evangelize in that sense. Sure. The shepherd is the caregiver, the nurturer the the wounded the wound healer the the hey let's slow down there's people behind us who aren't keeping up let's let's go take care of them totally and the teacher is the one who then helps people understand and grow their capacity um, they help you learn something you don't know that's kind of the broad uh, category of passion there sweet and the idea is that you have two passions the first one will be your motivational passion and the second one will be the way you exercise that passion. Okay. So what are your two? Uh, my two, again, are, uh, it goes, I got a 67 for one and a 66 for the other. There you go. So it's close. Uh, they are teacher and evangelist. Okay. And as I was listening to read evangelist, and I was thinking about my jazz rant I just did. You just you I just thought, did it. I just did it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're also teaching about what jazz is. You started talking about, so you have this passion to understand it, to help somebody else understand it, but you also want to sell it to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I make no kickback from that one for yeah. you listening. So you kind of just demonstrated your pa- your your passions. I hadn't thought about that. That was not on, on purpose, at least. Yeah. So um, when you think about giving, discernment, wisdom, knowledge, and then you think about um, this um, teaching and uh, persuading. Yeah. And evangelist was one, again, another kind of eye-raising one because – you know, if you said let's you're not on, on the street telling people about Jesus, let's go into Walmart and start telling people about Jesus. Yeah. You know, then I, I, I'd <laughs> rather pay you to do that. I guess yeah. back to the giving one, not literally, but it makes me very nervous that idea. Well, and that's the introvert in you. This is where we haven't talked about uh, temperament, personality. Yeah, but an introvert, you would you would rather take a beating about the head and shoulders <laughs> than go talk to strangers about something about you know their 
their warranty is about to expire. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what, so when you think about all this, what what is this helping you in any way? Well, again, it's, the gifts and passions part. They help more together. And honestly, uh, having a discussion about it helps more because it was kind of the so what to me wasn't immediately apparent. And uh, it was a little late at night. I do a lot of stuff late at night, so this shouldn't have mattered. But Mm -hmm. but at the time, I wonder if I had taken it, you know, first thing in the morning with some coffee for what had changed. Um, Not that I was taking this lightly, but but it wasn't it didn't click as much as this conversation. So but with them together, it makes more sense. It's just harder for me to see because if this is a navigational tool and this Mm -hmm. is to reveal purpose with this list of uh, six things, what would would I start to go, okay, my purpose is to use these skills with these passions and engage in this Mm -hmm. way. Is that kind of how it breaks down? Well, it helps you know what you're about. So um, calling, let's talk about uh, for just a second, calling and character. Mm -hmm. The two things God is wanting to do in you is one, transform your character into the character of Jesus. This is what he cares about. So that this would be the fruit of the spirit, love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness, self-control, perseverance. So he's wanting to build this character in you. And this is not from any of these assessments. This is what he's doing so that you don't knowingly mislead somebody by Mm. withholding part of the information because you want them to reach a certain conclusion. That's not accurate. Gotcha. You know, I need to quit doing that. I want to have a character that just tells the truth. And I trust people to manage the truth uh, with maturity, but I'm not going to hide the truth. Uh, Things like that, where we have character flaws and, and this ongoing character development, that's the fruit of the spirit. And, and that's, uh, that's half of your, you know, if you're doing halves, that's half the story of John is your character. Gotcha. Uh, The second half is your calling and the calling is the thing you can't not do. Mike, you know, you're going to do your calling. And is this, again, is this in that list or is this more of a specific kind of um, calling? Calling would be the GPS. Okay. Okay. That would be the GPS part is all helping you discern your calling. Gotcha. It has nothing to do with character. Gotcha. And so you want to, character is a whole nother conversation about how the fruit of the spirit is being formed in you, how you are learning to think differently, having your mind transformed so that you can renew your thinking. Uh, this character thing. But this is about calling. And calling is a thing I can't not do. i got to do that. It's who I am. And actually, like we just found out about the jazz example, it's there's hundreds of examples of you using these gifts and these passions without you even thinking about it. Mm. And that's why you don't feel special about them because they're so natural to you. You just think, well, I'm just being me. That's, that's what I sure, do. Sure. And, uh, and so it's really kind of cool. So when I think about, um, I believe, and I think you believe that God has called you to write, mm-hmm. that writing is not just a hobby. It's not just an interest. You really have a divine sense of purpose with that. Sure. Yeah. Is that, is that accurate? It is. Yeah. And then when we've talked about you writing, you sheepishly say, well, I don't want to just write so that I have written. I want to write so that people will read it. Right, ideally. Yeah, <laughs> that would be that would be great. And so uh, while fame is not what you're after, readership is. Yeah, yeah. Was that accurate? That is. And pro- that's probably, it could be an erroneous assumption, but I assume 
um, a wider readership with a with a higher meaning. With this work meant something because people read it. That kind of thing is uh, probably so. The reading validates the the merit of yes. the writing, or not, and if not the merit, the at least the um, quality or the no, just the, the uh, useful that I did something that that mattered. Yeah, that kind of thing. So it's not necessarily the quality of the writing as much as it is um, uh, the impact, and, or selfishly, I was heard. That could be the selfish way of it, mm-hmm. but also I want to help. So it would be twofold. Knowing I helped and knowing I was heard. So when you think of teacher shepherd, I mean, teacher evangelist. Yeah. I want to help people think something they didn't already think. I want to help them experience something they haven't experienced. I want to help people to grow. Yeah. And I want to help lots of people to grow. (laughs) But that's, and that was the part that feels weird. But that's the evangelist part. If it's good for one, then it's good for a thousand. So I want a thousand people to enjoy that goodness, not just one. Yeah. So I want to produce something that's really good, that's helpful, that's useful, and I want lots of people to enjoy it. Yeah. I, I so that sounds selfish. One of there's a one of my favorite books of all time is called A Failure of Nerve. I think we've talked about it in previous episode, but phenomenal. And one of the things is that um that our culture actually discourages gift focused, talent focused leadership and they call it selfish. Hmm. And that's what you're battling right there. Well, if I want to write quality objects and I want lots of people to enjoy them and be enhanced by them, is that selfish? Yeah. And what it is is stewardship because you want something to be good enough that it is, in fact, useful. And if it's useful, then you want it to be useful for as many people as possible. This isn't so that everybody will have the name John Ladd on their mind when they go to sleep at night. You know, it's not that you need to be famous. Right. In fact, that that part sounds... Terrifying. Fairly miserable, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and so this is a specific question. I hope this is useful to, to somebody else. But for me, my big conflict there is the um, just deluge of of self denial and self forgetfulness uh, messages of the scripture of pouring into to mm-hmm. others, and we are overfilled so that we can pour into people. Yeah. And so to me, because I enjoy it so much, it sounds selfish to. Uh, not to retreat. I don't feel like I would ever have license to retreat, but to uh, deny time with others to focus on something like this with something like writing. So uh, or not even denial, but a life of sacrifice to me would look like in-person physical um, rather than servitude writing. rather than writing. That would be a sacrifice to me. So then it's kind of that martyrdom thing where it's like, well, I really don't want to go to Africa I should probably go to Africa. I see. It's not necessarily that because I feel like this one. Since I more, want to write, it clearly can't be the right thing I should do. Or yeah, or because I enjoy it, it must be wrong. That it wouldn't be service, and service would be <laughs> doing something else. Something you know, I don't know. Yeah, here's the question: Mother Teresa in Calcutta probably was one of the most self-actualized, fulfilled women on earth. Doing that, how? Because it's what she wanted to do. Well, she, to her writing, she was depressed very often. Well, because it's such a sad story, you can't, you don't see enough success stories and you watch people die. That's true. But it's what, it wasn't just what she uh, should do. It's what she couldn't not do. Yeah. Calling. And so, um, to me, translating that to my world, this is where I thought you were going. See if this speaks to it at all. Yeah. When I stand on a platform and teach God's word, 
if I come off that platform and I ask my wife, how did I do? Yeah. Then that's the selfish. I did that for me. Sure. Well, I mean, but if I come off that platform and I ask Sue, did God speak? How did God speak to you? Did God just do something for someone? I see what you're saying. See, that's the difference. And so a lot of young preachers, they're terrified. They're nervous. Public speaking is so fearful. And when I was young and I would think about, man, I need, I need to do well here. I want people, I want to make people laugh. I need to do well. Uh, I w- it's terrifying. But when I realized I don't need to do well, in fact, I'm like the sound man at the church. I want to be invisible. This is why I don't yeah. wear flashy clothing. You know, you have a lot of these preachers that are fashionistas. I won't sure. do that because <laughs> I want to be invisible. I want people to not even notice me. Instead, I want them to leave the room going, holy cow, God just spoke to me. Yeah. When I'm obsessed with that and not with what they thought of Jim, now I'm liberated from all the anxieties and fears, and I'm being selfless. I see. While I still get to have the blast of doing what God made me to do. Right. So it's taking the, it's it's moving the uh, focal point of your of of the same the same work. Yes. So it's it would still be writing this example, but it's not about John's book. It's, it's about, about people's lives being better. Right. Right. Yeah. I we, see. And and because even though you want to write a lot of fiction, you want your fiction to have the ability to help people think new thoughts and see life differently. Yeah. So it's about the outcome. You're writing for an outcome, and the outcome you're writing for is a better life for the reader. Yeah, that's true. So if you can focus on that, not on, do people think I'm a good writer? <laughs> you know, who would they compare me to? Am I as good as those guys? You know, yeah. you got to get off that train and instead be obsessed with how could this writing be used by God to change someone's life? Then that's a whole different animal. So then the um, whether or not it's pleasurable does not factor into the whether or not it is service to the kingdom. If the reading was pleasurable? The writing, yeah. If I, oh, the writing. The fact that I enjoy it it's does not, is a non-factor. No, it's actually uh, it's evidence that you're doing exactly what you were made to do. We have this impulse that we should be doing what makes us miserable. That would be genuine sacrifice. But the truth is doing what you were made to do and doing it well, that is the sacrifice. That is a life that is offering your life to God. So even in, you know, Paul's example of just getting kicked around the Near East for mm-hmm. 20 years or however long that was, he couldn't have not done that. He and could not have not done it. He had apostle all over him. He said, I want to go where no one has gone before. Yeah. Um, Peter was going to all the Jews trying to help them become <laughs> Christians. Paul said, ah, you do that. I'll go where nobody's (laughs) even heard of this guy. Yeah. uh, Because I want to do the pioneering thing. And he said, I won't build on anybody's work. I want to lay the foundation myself. And that sounded arrogant. It sounded selfish. This is what I want to do. But it's not only what I want to do. It's what I was made to do. Yeah. And therefore, he could take the beatings. He could be shipwrecked. He could be persecuted because he was doing exactly what he was made to do. I think I get it. I think it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Do you have a primary takeaway from this whole conversation? Uh, yeah, and it's, I don't know. I, I fluctuate between um, thinking I'm too hard on myself and I'm letting myself off too easy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. that, that's, that to me is just the miserable. If I'm stuck in one of those, mm-hmm. um, what are those called, feedback loops? Yep. And like a, a microphone and a, yep. a speaker. Just, just, you know, 
That's not what, it's not that bad, right. but it's not fun. So this kind of, I feel like, gives a pass in some of these ways where it's okay to let your, to, to admit certain gifts or strengths or to let yourself off in certain regards, mm-hmm. not to the extent that you might think of, you know, like we said earlier that you could say, well, it's not my, it's not my gift to be very productive. So <laughs> you can't be mad. <laughs> yeah, at me you for can't that. do that. Yeah. So it's not to that extent, but enough to say enough credit to yourself to say, or, or to God for giving you these things mm-hmm. that, yeah, I'm, I, I was made to do these things. There are, there are things like you said in that description that I like a lot, that these are things I do near perfect every time without mm-hmm. thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's helpful to me, uh, as a person who is self-critical, but also I, I'll acknowledge that I think most of people who are self-critical to that extent are really thinking about themselves too often. It's kind of a pride thing. And yeah. I'll say that for myself is definitely true. Yeah. Pride is not thinking uh, highly of yourself. Pride is thinking only of yourself. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I think the, the two, John, the, uh, you have an accuser, uh, mm-hmm. an enemy who's wanting to accuse you before God day and night. And who is wanting to tell you you're selfish, you're selfish. This is just lazy, selfish. You don't want to do the hard thing. You want to do the fun thing. This accusing. Yeah. And your particular personality type, an artist um, is prone throughout history. Artists have battled uh, some depression and some uh, melancholy despair. Hmm. This is part of what it is to think deeply. Uh, People who don't think deeply have less depression, <laughs> you know, um, but people who think differently, who, who, who think deeply, who understand the nuances of life, those are complicated and they are sad sometimes. Hmm. So there's a, there's a, there's a feeler in you that not everybody has. Um, and that carries a weight with it. Sure. Do you have a takeaway? Yeah, I think, I think that, um, the takeaway for me is remembering again, that if you are doing precisely what you are made to do two things will be true you'll be really good at it and it'll be very fulfilling Hmm. Um, that doesn't mean it won't be hard it doesn't mean there won't be sacrifices it doesn't mean that it's immediate success but you will be you will be it'll be rewarding to you because you will be good at it and you will be having fun it'll be fulfilling fun i don't like the word fun sure when it comes to your calling We'll get like again to the, to Paul or Mother Teresa. Yeah, they might not have been having fun. Yeah, fun might not be the adjective they would ever use. But they were a hundred percent fulfilled. Hundred percent fulfilled. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, listen. Thanks for t- uh, listening to episode one sixteen. We're super glad you're here. We are grateful for your listenership. Drop in your questions and comments. We will. Uh, it is not our intention to do an episode three of this, but if you have questions and things you want us to talk about, we will certainly consider future episodes for those and the assessment itself is at a uh, gift passion story gifts plural no singular gift passion story.com uh there is a screen when you when it gets to a landing page there are purchase options for other tools disregard all that above all those is a button that says take the free assessment yep and you have to give them your email and stuff but uh i haven't received any um advertising or anything since these then. guys are great i happen to know these guys okay and they're great so anyway, just don't know that you do not have to spend money on it. It yep. is a free assessment. Yep. Uh, and yeah, and if you want to uh, see more of our stuff or reach us, you can see our Instagram at Jim and John with no H in the John. Or you could go to our website, which is jimandjohn.com. Mm-hmm. And you can reach us there. You can read our blog there. Or you can reach us at our uh, DMs on our Instagram page or a comment on our weekly post there. 
And yeah, we would love to hear from you guys. If we could ask anything, it would be more feedback. Yeah. And you know, I just feel prompted to mention this. Um, if you are a patron of $50 a month or more, you get a one hour per month coaching session. And so there's one patron in particular that I do the coaching session with every month. And we have these kinds of conversations that are very targeted at your life. So Mm -hmm. um, if you're interested in that, that is one way to get that is to be a patron uh, at $50 level a month and you get a free coaching session. I guess it's not free. You're paying $50 a month for it, (laughs) but um, it it is a perk of that, uh, that partnership level. I love that. All right. Hey, have a great day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 